Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses, employment, and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. So I know I sent you some TikToks about the FTX scandal. Oh, my Lanta. Have you spent some time absorbing the things? No, no. There's so many layers deep to this at this point that I just can't quite fathom everything. No. And also take it all on. But the part that really, really got me yesterday is that, is it the big shift, the big dip? Oh gosh. What's the name of the book? What's the name of the book? The big, I don't know. Mm. The Big Dipper is a constellation in the sky. (laughs) The The big cheese. Hold on. Oh, shoot. I should have come prepared to have this conversation, my friends. The Big Short. short. Okay. The author of The Big Short has already been following the company for six months. Like, moved to the Bahamas to, like, write a book about this already. And so, but it's like, now he's like going to write the most epic ending ever. So anyone speculating that there's going to be some sort of movie about this? Oh, there will be for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. But like, probably like, I'm not even sure they'll be in jail yet and we'll have a movie about it. Yeah. I told you the other day, it's like Firefest, but for the finance bros. I just, it is the most wild thing I've, so for those of you who are completely unfamiliar they're a cryptocurrency. I had never heard of them until I heard about the scandal. Oh, is- I heard about them when Kim Kardashian broke the SEC rules with her relationship with FTX. Oh, oh. So she posted an Instagram story about FTX or crypto, but didn't disclose that it was like FTX or that it was endorsed or whatever. And like the SEC came in and they were like, you literally can't do that. They fined her a shit ton of money for it. 
Mm. But did you see that a bunch of celebrities are oh, in Oh, yeah, suit there's a bunch now? of celebrities all wrapped up in it. And I'm like, ooh, just wait until they get that list going. Of well, and so I've been talking with Brian because – so Brian is a sports football guy. And so I've been following the Tom Brady and Giselle divorce and relationship and separation, not just this year, but for many years because I've been speculating that, like, she needs to leave him forever. And that I've done a deep dive into some articles about this is completely separate, but related to them in general about the conversation of athletes who are like, okay, this is actually really interesting. We could probably do a whole episode about this, but the conversation was about athletes, but also just high performing kind of celebrities. So they brought up Tom Brady, they brought up Michael Jordan, but they also brought up Taylor Swift in this story and the concept of how perfect and good is never perfect and good enough for people like that. So like you're already a multi, multi, multi millionaire, but you're going to come out of retirement to just beat more records or you've already beat all of these records and sold out these stadiums and done this, but you're going to continue to just like push harder and do all the things to unlock the next thing. And so like, when is it like you are being driven versus like for what? Like you literally have everything you could have ever wanted in the world and you're going to sacrifice like your family or your health or time away from people to do more of it. Like, so it's just an interesting psychology dynamic of like, what is the itch that it's scratching for people? Yeah, like- I think for Taylor, it's got to be the record breaking. Like, cause there's nothing, 100%. there's nothing else at this point. Like she doesn't need more money like no. or, or more anything really. Right. And I know, I mean, I don't know her, so who knows, (laughs) but like, I would imagine she's self-aware enough to know that she doesn't need more, that like she could make what she has work for the rest of her life if she wanted to disappear into the sunset. Right. And so, yeah, what is the itch that's scratching? It's got to be the record breaking. I don't know. When I get a little, because I feel like you got to be a little crazy, right? Oh, 100%. Like when you get a little crazy like that, and I've been... Well, I don't know how I've been like Taylor, but whatever. I've wanted to just say I did, or I've had the desire to just like do it because I could. And so I I imagine that's the deeper question of like, why? Like you are literally already the best and everyone knows that you're the best even without these other things. And so it's just interesting. But I found, so I always find it very, very interesting when A couple is either thinking about divorce or going through divorce, a celebrity couple in particular, and or very wealthy couple. And it's always timed around a big lawsuit is about to happen. And they somehow like get the divorce done super quickly and it's finalized and whatever. And I was asking Brian last night, I was like, do you think that that divorce happened like pretty quickly from the time that they filed from the time that it was finalized? Because they knew they were probably going to be sued in this FTX thing. And it's in some way of being able to shelter or protect assets. Because the same thing happened with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Yes, there were rumors that they were going to separate. But there have been rumors for that for a while. But then it was like immediately it went from they're filed to weeks later. Like it was finalized. And the very next week he got sued for a shit ton of money for something that she was or wasn't involved in, but now she's protected from that lawsuit because she's separated. But Giselle and Tom are both being sued in well, this. There's a reason Kim went to law school. She needed to understand. She needed to understand. She's not mm-hmm. an idiot. Like she mm-hmm. needed to understand. Although I have to, on this topic, related, definitely unrelated, but 
related. We're talking about athletes, celebrities, and money, right? I saw this video yesterday about the 401k plan of the NFL, and I was surprised to hear that they have a two-to-one match and with, like, no limit. So, like, you could max out your 401k every year, and they would put in twice as much, which is just (gasps) bananas. And then they were talking about, okay, do you know Cooch and his, well, that's his wife's name. Allison. Allison Cooch. And Isaac Rochelle. Yes. So he has been primarily just practice team. And, you know, for sure on and off the Browns. And and I don't want to discount his career. He's done a lot. But he's definitely not the star. Mm-hmm. It's not the like one they're trading for millions back right. and forth, but they were just saying, okay, if we assumed he was practice team the entire time and we assume he's smart about investing in his 401k, even if he didn't get back because he was dropped from the Browns, even if he did not get back on any team and he was just done with his NFL career, guess modestly how much he would have at retirement. Oh, modestly. Oh. Okay, and so you have to take into account he's still got some sort of signing bonus. You can't invest your signing bonus. Okay, okay. This, so is, this just, is just your just salary. For, this is just 401k. This is nothing else. Only is 401k. 10 million? I, pretty damn close. It's like eight and a half million for five years, mostly on a practice team. Only to me, that's the dream scenario is like your risk of injury is significantly less. Yes, you could still land sponsorship deals. Him and his wife have blown up on TikTok on their personal brand. She has sponsorship deals out the butt. I just... I did not know he got dropped. Did he get dropped? Yes, he got dropped. I missed that news. I didn't see it. It was so sad. It's still so sad. I mean, he he could definitely get... He still can get picked back up, but it's so close to the end of the season. It might not be until next year, but then where are they going to live? Anyway, I was just like, why don't more people do this? (laughs) Like be talented, but still like, I would love to hear the, like, what are the actual stats? If because even I think, I mean, you'd have to be, and imagine if you're good enough to land in the NFL, it would be very hard to not want to keep training to be a star for sure. or like for sure. better. But like, there's also a huge benefit to like being good enough to just be around for that's a who I would want to be. I just want to like, be that person. Go start real estate and go mm-hmm. do stuff with your wife. You have fucking eight million. Because he's only twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. With eight, at minimum eight million bucks. Well, I I want to fa- someone track down the four hundred one k plan of the women's golf team because. In our circle of friends, the guys love golfing, but they also love, for some reason, I have somehow found myself with nearly every husband or partner of someone in our group is in finance in some way and in investment specifically. And so that's like all the chatter that happens all the time. Well, the guys are like golf scholarships are massive and like few people get them because even though the money's there, because no one wants to do that over majority of other sports, but like getting women in golf, because it's so few and far between that, like there's so much money just waiting to be had. And it's such like a, there's no risk for like head injuries in that sport, which is what I'm a fan of. And your ability to get a scholarship to like a really good school for that. And then to get extra money and whatever. And your arms will be in, in useless when you're older. I know. You put your I, rotator only play like enough, you know what I'm saying to like, what's, is the 401k really great where you could play like 
a little bit and like be set up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't do it because I don't want to. I think we already tired. missed the boat, babe. We are we are well into our thirties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Pro it. athletes have started retiring that are our age. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, they're sweet baby angels. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Well, moving into our segue here, our actual identifying role. your role within your company. <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. There's been a lot of conversations lately with a ton of our clients inside coaching and out and that you and I have been having because we're in the season of planning for 2023. And we always like to spend some time really combing through the roles and job descriptions of the people on our team, but also us. And I think as founders- It has to start with you. We have to, it has to start with us. And as founders and CEOs, what I've been seeing is that that piece and that portion is ignored a lot. And I know the majority of people listening are not in a double CEO situation like we are. And so it is unique in the sense that we have to be extra mindful about getting really clear on our individual roles because we both play such a big part in this company. But there's also the kind of checks and balance of like, what do we need to do versus what do we want to do? And how do we find a balance of that? And I want to kind of just talk about the overall conversation of specifically the founder's role in your company throughout the years and how that evolves over time. Yeah, you know, like everyone can imagine when you start your company, you start it thinking you're going to be doing a lot of the reason you started your company in the first place. Like (laughs) whether that be designing or selling merchandise or I mean, Copywriting. copywriting, photography, like insert any role, whatever skill you're ultimately good at, you think, oh, I'm going to go do more of that. I want to start a business so I can do more of that. And I was very surprised. I mean, year one, for sure, I did a lot of that. I did Mm -hmm. a lot of the role Mm -hmm. that I imagined I would do. You did a lot of designing. But I didn't know because I didn't know (laughs) what it would take to actually operate the company. Like I didn't know what else would have to be done in order to make it run. And initially it was. And especially in your specific scenario, because you had established such a great relationship where you were getting leads from someone. So I think for like a good chunk of time, maybe even longer than what other normal, like what's normal, what's expected, you weren't having to chase a bunch of leads. And so you were getting to kind of work in client work and operation land for maybe more than what was normal. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think more than normal, I was in a world where I was mostly fulfilling client work and the other roles really could be done a day a month. Truly. Like it was like, I remember I would be like, okay, I'm going to catch up the books. I'm going to pay us. I'm going to like organize this, that, or the other thing. But project management, there was no project management. It was just where are we at and what do we owe somebody? And like, what do we need to do next? And kind of making it day to day. We didn't have a project management system for like two years. (laughs) No, we really (laughs) didn't. We really didn't. We had Dropbox and Drive. I don't know if Drive existed yet. Because do you remember when Dropbox got deleted? (laughs) Yes, I do. That was so traumatic. And that was before they had like easier recovery options. They have since fixed that and made it a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Well, no, Google Drive came out April of 2012. 
So we would have had it. Okay. I, I don't feel don't like we was, used it. Right? I don't think it was a common thing for us to use. No. At the time. Not that we were using like word docs, but we were writing so much down in notebooks and things on paper. And like my desk was a disaster all the time. And, but all of that to say, I just didn't know what it was like to run a company. And a lot of my experience with that, I'm not sure we were like, I think we were the equivalent of freelancing. And then you were, you know, we were managing our client load. We weren't managing a business. Right. That's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. like we were, as long as you pay taxes on your earnings there, like it kind of that it stops the buck there. But like, as the business actually became a business, I remember when we started calling ourselves a company <laughs> <laughs> because I'm well before it was, I'm sure. But it's funny now thinking about it because I'm like, how did we get a buy for so long, just completely ignoring all these quote unquote departments and all of these needs. But I will say once they were actually addressed, it is shocking how like how much more scalable the business has become. Weird. Weird. (laughs) Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features. So together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But what would you say you know, in the first few years versus now? Like, what was your role then? And what is your role now? Mm, Well, I mean, a lot of you, maybe you remember this, but if you didn't know, I started as a 1099 for Abigail. And so while we definitely decided to go in business together, it was just really simple for us to put it under an umbrella that already exists. We did rebrand and we had our like, not so official, but official email of a contract where we're like, you're going to go split skis with me. Yep. Cool. Bye. Great. We didn't actually sign anything. And so she 1099 to me for about almost a year or over a year. I can't remember how long I was a contractor, but even though we were establishing a business and a brand kind of outside of that relationship or in addition to that relationship, it did really feel like I was like, a new client would come in. You would play kind of your sales role. We would kind of talk about what package we could put them into. You would land them. You would kind of figure out the deal. And then you would just tell me like, here's what I need from you. And as a contractor, I would fulfill those things and give it to you to either put into the website or figure out how to present to the client. So for a minute, I definitely felt like looking back now, I didn't feel this then, but looking back now, it was very clear that it was just like a contractor relationship where I was like fulfilling whatever, even though we were also trying to build the brand. It didn't shift for me until we started having more and more digital sales with our programs that I was like, okay, we need to organize this a little bit better, a little bit differently. But it truly in my brain felt like these are two separate business. This is me showing up as a contractor over here. And this is us trying to build whatever this might end up being over here. And until we actually fully shifted in like, I don't know, the middle of 2016, end of 2016, because I know we started leaning more heavily into it in January of 2016. It didn't feel fully still real to me. And I even think that like we were both working on like other projects outside of work and our schedules were a lot more flexible because it just didn't sink in that like we were creating a business that had business hours with a job for a minute. And I think until maybe... The summer, fall of 2016, going into 2017, where it fully was just like, oh, we are prepping for my mat leave now. Like, this is a business that is like structured and needs structure. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your role today as the CMO 
and as a partner in this company. Well, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but we had a conversation similar to what we're going to be having this year about our roles and what responsibilities do we want to be taking on? And we've joked often about how at the very beginning, you and I were basically doing the same job together. We would hop on a Google Hangouts because Zoom wasn't a thing and Skype was awful. And we would basically be on speakerphone, but via Google all day. And we would be working on things and then interrupting each other to approve things and look at things. And I would maybe start something and you would finish or whatever, right? But one day I might be writing the blog and then the next day you were writing the blog and we were trying to split in the same sense that we were looking at finances 50-50. We were trying to be like equal partners, like a relationship partner in our business and try to divvy up the task accordingly. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't like you owned writing. No, it was not at all thinking about departments. It was like, well, we have marketing. I will be, do half and you do half and we have selling and I will do half and like you literally would write every other Instagram post. Yes, every other Instagram post. And then it was like, okay, can you take this week? And then I'll take next week. And we started to kind of split it up. But it wasn't until, I mean, was it like 2018 that we finally were like, maybe even last year, truly, right? like truly where it was like, okay, this doesn't make sense for us. Maybe to really 20, be. 20, I think it was 20, I think it was 2019. Like I don't, it, it, we've been doing this for a minute where we slowly were like, okay, Abby, like you don't need to be writing blog posts anymore or emails. Like I've got it. Let me just plan the launch. Let me just organize this. And that then shifted to like, oh, well, you've been doing that as your responsibility that actually sits in the marketing department. How about we actually look at like a marketing department versus a finance department? Because those are the roles that we're like naturally kind of shifting in. So what does that actually mean for our day-to-day roles? And we definitely had to look at like an actual job description for that role to be like, oh yeah, let me take that on. Oh, let me take that on. Like you don't need to worry about that anymore. And it's becoming as the months and years progress even more clear clear about what those roles are and those responsibilities are. Yeah, I definitely felt early in the business that I wanted to figure out the logistics out of necessity, because that's just like a part of who I am. Like I'm always I've always been the planner fixer people pleaser, (laughs) make sure everybody's good all the time. And part of like having more clients was making sure I had a firm understanding of what needed to be done and when and was managing deliverables and I was doing, you know, 50% of the deliverables, but still just staying on top of the communication. And it wasn't like I was the one directing the client necessarily, but I'd be like, okay, we need to email the client today and say blah, 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 or whatever. And as that's kind of grown and evolved, I kind of naturally took over operations. The part that's been kind of a challenge is I really see marketing operations and finances, three really distinct departments, but it's hard to be fully in one. Like once you're fully in one, you get distracted with the other. And so over time, I've tried to bring people on the team that can take over more and more of the operations duties so that I can think more focused on the finance side of the business because that's where my interests lie. But I'm also doing sales. So well, 
And, you know, I've looked at other businesses or I know how bigger companies run who have like a marketing department with multiple people, a sales department with multiple people, a finance department with multiple people or whatever. And I've wondered in my brain if our business will ever get to the point, and I'm not saying it will or it won't, it's just been a thought of like, will there ever be a time that me or someone in a marketing department or finance, it doesn't matter, will like come up with an idea, fully execute that idea and run with it, like without like strategic input from us or you, if it is me. But I always go back to like our collaborative team and our culture of experimentation. And what I find unique about how we work, and I feel like it's our magic and it's not something that's holding us back. Did it used to hold us back? Absolutely. But now we have the skill of, we both will talk about a strategy or a pivot or a shift of sorts. And I always come at it from the marketing lens and you always come at it from the logistic lens. And both of those lenses are needed to make a decision about something. And so I think that that in bigger companies, unless you have the role of someone who can logistically look at something or who can, you know, creatively look at something, then you're going to be siloed and always serving the bottom line or always serving growth. And you have to look at both of those. Right. And that, you know, I've looked at many organizational charts and sometimes they'll end up putting operations instead of it being its own department, they'll end up putting operations, like an operations person and project management person in each department. And so they'll have someone with that specialty all the way across the board. And I don't know how long term the business will be organized because I'm just never sure how many employees will kind of say, oh, that's good. We'll tap out here. Right, right. Um, I think that in the past, we'd be like, absolutely no bigger than this. And it's just grown and evolved as Mm -hmm. we've grown and evolved. So I'm not as tied to it being one thing or another. But I do agree that part of the magic of it is the collaborative effort because they're, while for the first time, not the first time, but the last 18 months or so has been the most I've been able to still be part of the initial conversation, but not necessarily be a part of every single aspect of delivery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has been a breath of fresh air because I often would get overwhelmed with new ideas because I'm like, there's 75 more steps after this. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the Mm -hmm. idea, but like, when and how and who's going to do it. And now we have a lot more ability to execute on those things without feeling like it's going to completely bog down one person in the company. But will you and I ever step away out of ideating? I don't know. I do agree that's part of what makes us great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's, I always wonder what does the next shift look like? Because I couldn't have imagined what I do now. Like, the no. role I have now is so radically different than where I started. Like I was designing websites and developing websites and thinking about copy and structure and, and layout and wireframing and all of this stuff. And now I'm over here like forecasting four to six months out, managing all the cash flow, thinking about money every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, And I think that's a big reason of why we honestly kind of stopped like 
two-year, three-year, five-year planning is not that we don't want to, but like we can dream and scheme and like talk out loud about it, but there's no reason to like put something hard to paper because everything shifts, our needs shifts. And I now understand and I'm humble enough to recognize that I do not even have the vocabulary to tell you what two years could look like from now or three years or five years because- I know we're capable of such amazing things. And so I'm just letting it exist and breathe and be open to what things could evolve into. And I want to have a plan for right now and for like the coming year, especially for our team to feel confident and like set in what we're doing, even though as the year progresses, things can ebb and flow, but it doesn't feel fun anymore for me to look so far and forecast so far ahead because I just don't know what's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's nearly impossible from a financial standpoint. You get much more out. And now part of that is just the industry we're in. I think if we were in sure. other industries, there might be opportunities to look and measure it further mm-hmm. in advance, especially if you have something that's really cyclical or seasonal. But our sales are so incredibly dependent on our team's performance. So like, I know what we can do in the next three to six months, but I don't know what we can do three years from now. I don't even know who's going to be on my team three years from now. So that's not that helpful. But it's been interesting as it is, as we've grown into this, realizing that it's not just about how to handle client communication on one project. It's so much more about how does the whole business move together as like a unit, even when individual players are working on such radically different things and understanding that ecosystem and like giving it the right balance and attention it needs so that it isn't really lopsided or that one person is super drowning, but another person is like, I'm good. I got all the free time. Like, I mean, it's not going to be perfectly balanced all the time. It just isn't. But like keeping it relatively even across the board all the time is a dance. Like it is totally a dance and I love thinking about it. And also there's parts of it that are really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that conversation kind of comes back to, and this is what we talk with our clients all the time about is, and we all had this naivete, so it's not a problem, but we have to shed that naive way of thinking in the sense that when we start our business, that the thing that we started it for to do, like designing photography, copywriting is what we're always going to get to spend the majority of our time doing. In fact, you may have to like give up your job altogether. That's what I'm saying. And like, it will shift so drastically where like only 10% or 15% of your time is going to be spent on that. If anything, ultimately at the end of the day, any amount of time. And I harp on people with this concept because ultimately your only two options are to either, if you're wanting to always be the person doing that role, designing, photography, copywriting, SEO, strategy, whatever it might be, then go get that job at another company. Go be a designer. Go be a copywriter for another place. That is not the role of a business owner. It isn't. And I think that there's been it has done business owners a disservice, the rhetoric over the last few years that is so strongly in the camp of like, if you don't love it, just don't do it anymore. Like you never have to do anything you don't want in your business. Cause why would you create a business where you're doing any job that you don't like grow up, grow up. 
If you want to create a business that's sustainable, that pays you, that opens up a new life for you, your family, your lifestyle, your goals, whatever, you cannot just sit in that freelancer role forever. You can't. No, you can't. And you also have to be willing to, even if it's not your role, pick it back up at any time. Yep. I mean, whether that's because someone leaves your company and it doesn't make sense financially to rehire for the same position. And so you're reabsorbing those tasks and maybe divvying them up amongst multiple people. Maybe you hired someone. You restructure them. Like I've had that conversation with you where something has come back on my plate and I'm like, okay, the way for me to like show up really well for this is to do it in this way, or we have to kind of cut back or scale back or, or look at it in a different way. And, and that's fine. Like figure it out. But just the whole, like, mm, I don't want to do that. And as the owner, like it's, I'm too good to do that. No. I'm over it. <laughs> no. Cause at the end of the day, you can't just think about what you're going to post on Instagram. Like you have to think about what are you marketing? How are you marketing it? What channels are you utilizing? Once the people are in, how are you fulfilling on it? What does your daily operations look like to both market it, launch it, maintain it, sustain it? How are you keeping everybody's roles even inequitable in some way, even if they're radically different? jobs and pay. And it's a dance. It's a dance. And to think that you can only be in one area is naive. Like, sure. If you look at my role, especially in the last six months, is it primarily in finance and sales? Yeah, it is. But to say I didn't sit in a meeting and like, talk about YouTube like, I'm just like, right, right. I'm like, I absolutely did. Did right. I, was I the one going and posting a video? No, but like I was involved and mm-hmm. vice versa. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have I said, okay, well, here's the numbers and here's the forecast. And because of that, here's what I need in terms of applications, sales, interests, leads, whatever. Yep. Everything's interconnected. Yep. Well, I'm excited to see how our roles get even more clear, not just for us, but for our team. I know that our team that we have now is incredible and that even their own job description has shifted over this last year as our company has changed. And so to all kind of get clarity on what do we want to do? What do we need to do? That's the balance that you always have to kind of run it through. And I'm excited to go into a new year with that clarity and and tackle more incredible things and see yeah, how it keeps you, evolving. You can get closer to what you want every time, but you just can't ignore the what you need. And Exactly. We'd love to hear from you, though. If you have specific questions about your role and your company, we talk about this all the time inside mm-hmm. of the incubator, and I would love to hear your take. So send me a DM over at Boss Project and let's chat. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. 